Travis Ryer, the BamaOnline.com staff. We're back, finally. In the month of November, it is instant analysis. Last we met October the 31st, following Alabama's 41 to nothing shutout win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Here we are on November the 21st, and we're back at it, following the Crimson Tide's impressive 63-3 victory over the Kentucky Wildcats at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon. How about that? Alabama back after it. And uh, it kind of seemed like there had been a pretty good break there for a little bit, at least from the defensive perspective. And we'll give everybody a chance to get in here with the live chat. Hey, Glenn, it's good to see you too, my friend. Sam's checking in. We've got Charlotte. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk some Alabama football on a Saturday night. I know you've got some other SEC action going on as we do this. Tennessee and Auburn, last check. The balls were up 7 nothing. How about that? Down on the plane. So, of course, we're going to start anticipating the Iron Bowl next. Uh, but we'll put to bed Alabama-Kentucky here with you. Good to see you, Mason. Brian, how you doing? Carl Ann. Carla Ann, how are you? Yeah, it kind of had that feeling almost of like a season opener initially. And, you know, you kind of anticipated some of that. And you understood Kentucky sort of at the last moment heading into the football game. We find out Kentucky's got multiple players out for the contest due to COVID-19 protocols, including a couple of guys I was really interested in seeing on the field uh, against Alabama. You talk about... Uh, Chris Rodriguez, the outstanding running back for the Cats, he was sidelined. Luke Fortner, one of the very best interior offensive linemen that Alabama might have seen this entire season, he was down. Jamin Davis, the middle linebacker for Kentucky, out for the game. But as the game moved along, we realized Alabama was down a little bit too. We didn't see Miller Forrestall in the game. We saw Miller dressed out and on the sideline, but... How about Jalil Billingsley stepping in there real quick early on with the impressive catch and then the hurdle move to extend an explosive play early in the game. So the Alabama offense in a lot of ways kind of looked like the Alabama offense we last saw in late October. Defensively, we talked about some of the concepts that Kentucky would present in the game and also how there would be some carryover between this week to Auburn next week based on the zone read game and the quarterback runs and those type of things that Kentucky employs offensively. And some of that, frankly, gave Alabama some problems early in the game. I think it was Kentucky's first 10 first down plays in the game brought back 96 yards. Kentucky there for about a quarter plus was averaging 9.6 yards per play on first down. Um, you know, Alabama got things going there in the second quarter. I thought the run game getting going with Najee kind of had that one-two punch of the, what was it, about a 12-14 yarder that kind of got him going very next snap. Alabama goes unbalanced line to the left and gets really good blocks from Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown against a defense that wasn't exactly set for Kentucky. And I believe Najee's 42-yard touchdown run was, I think that's the longest run of his Alabama career. It's 42 yards. It's right up there with the one against Ole Miss late in that game in Oxford a month or so ago. But uh, that that really kick-started the Alabama run game. And then you saw the Alabama defense sort of settle in, get its legs, uh, you heard Nick Saban post game, perhaps talk about that he thought there were some missed assignments. Again, 
Not entirely surprising because Alabama, even before the break, hadn't seen a lot of offenses like what Kentucky does. Ole Miss to an extent. And Auburn, again, next week will do a lot of these same things in the run game. Uh, But it took a little bit. You know, had some missed fits, had some missed tackles. As the game wore on, though, Christian Harris, I thought, became more involved. Um, You had some good fortune there in the first half. We're not going to say you didn't. Uh, You have a holding penalty on Kentucky that negates a run down to the Alabama two. Kentucky settles for the field goal on that possession. Then you have the bad snap, airmailed, basically through and over. The uh, Kentucky holder, that goes for a loss of 36 yards, not only gives Alabama the ball back, negates points for Kentucky, gives Alabama pretty good field position as well. And then um, you had another situation on a field goal snap that wasn't clean for Kentucky that resulted in a missed field goal as well. So you had some good fortune early, gave you a chance to kind of get yourself together. And when you give this Alabama offense opportunities, we all know what's going to happen. And a big night of first and some guys that uh, putting their names in the record book. As we know, Devontae Smith, primary among those with his 32nd and 33rd career touchdown catches. He's now the SEC's all-time leader in addition to being Alabama's all-time leader. He surpassed not only Amari Cooper, but Chris Doring, the former University of Florida standout as well. You know, Mac Jones, I thought, played well. He had a stretch there to kind of close it that wasn't his best. I think he was victimized by a couple of balls that could have been caught by both the tight end and wide receiver positions. And then he had the interception there in the third quarter. And Nick Saban afterwards said that's was more of a hope type throw. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, actually, at Kentucky, did a nice job in coverage there on Devontae, sort of cut him off and wasn't going to give him the the free release down the sideline. I can almost understand it from Mac's perspective, though, because typically if you've got man-to-man coverage and you just give Devontae a chance on some of those, uh, he's going to come down with the ball. The problem was Mac didn't get the ball outside enough so you give Joseph a lot of credit. He played that extremely well. So that was a, a turnover by Mac. Uh, and for the first time this year, Mac Jones does not finish with a completion percentage north of 70%. Bryce Young comes in, looks good, immediately drops a dime to Devontae Smith, uh, follows up with a touchdown pass to Devontae that I'm not sure Devontae was even ready for, but Devontae so good with the hands that uh, he makes the play and gets into the end zone. And then you had some first touchdowns of some careers for Alabama, not only for Bryce Young, his first touchdown pass, uh, but then you get Roydell Williams, you get Jace McClellan in there third behind Brian Robinson, and then you come with Roydell Williams, and those two guys get the first touchdown runs of their Alabama careers, and you played a lot of guys tonight. You know, you were able to use that fourth quarter once again, really valuable tool if you can do it Uh, in a season like this with all SEC play, to be able to get as many snaps for as many guys as Alabama was able to do tonight uh, was important. From an injury perspective, you did see Slade Bolden leave the game. Uh, Javon Baker came on there sort of as that third receiver, but I thought there were more two tight end sets from that point forward, which Alabama can do. Alabama showed you in the fourth quarter if it wants to pretty much just go bully ball, It can do that. Alabama ended up with just under 230 rushing yards for the game, and just under 130 of those came in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't all with the first-team offense. I mean, you had the second-team 
offensive line, even some threes mixing in there. You saw Seth McLaughlin, a true freshman, make his Alabama debut at center. Um, Damian George, another true freshman, uh, got some time at right tackle this afternoon, this evening. So all's well that ends well. It took a little bit to kind of get going, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But for the third straight game, you have a defensive score. This time it's Jordan Battle. You know, you've gone Malachi Moore, Patrick Sertan, and now Jordan Battle in three consecutive games. So uh, anytime you can get defensive points, in addition to what this offense is pretty much going to give you on a weekly basis, uh, it's a good thing. Nothing adventurous, really, in special teams. I know a lot of folks out there took some deep breaths once Devontae Smith went back to return punts with Slade Bolden out. But Devontae, he tried to return a couple of them for scores. Just shows you what his value truly can be uh, if you start thinking ahead to the National Football League. He's not just a guy that's going to be a day one starter at the wide receiver position. He showed you on punts, this is something this guy can do. <laughs> this guy can do at the next level. What else do we got? Garrett, um, we heard from Nick Saban postgame, but he didn't really go in depth about uh, – Miller Forstall and and exactly what was wrong with him uh, didn't sound like he was able to do much this week. You know, Miller had been battling a couple of things. Uh, even in the Tennessee game, we saw it. We saw it again against Mississippi State. So he was dressed. We just didn't see him in the game. And, you know, you saw still a lot of tight ends. You saw Jaleel Billingsley to start the game. Um, you saw Kendall Randolph still in that 85 jersey. Saw Carl Tucker. Saw Major Tennyson. Saw Cam Latou. I mean, they they still played a lot of tight ends in the game. Yeah, Devontae Richie at this point, it's going to be tough not to have him at the very top of the list of really SEC wide receivers in general. Hayden, Nick Saban after the game said Bolden twisted his ankle. They're still not entirely sure uh, to the extent of that injury. Uh, but it does sound like it was an ankle-involved injury, and we'll see how it goes. Toby, the kicking game, you know, the kickoff coverage initially wasn't great. And I wasn't all that surprised by that because, you know, you're talking about um, you're talking about an area of the game that you really can't practice full speed, you know, when you go three weeks without playing. You know, they don't practice full speed tackling and coverage of kickoffs. So, if you're not getting touchbacks and you're having to cover kicks, I can see where you struggle with that a little bit. And they did. They had a few where they gave up more than I'm sure they would like, but not a huge surprise. Next week, it will be critical. Auburn can return some kicks, so going to have to get down there and cover them. Joey does. I mean, Max improved steadily really throughout his four years here at Alabama. I think he might tell you that tonight wasn't maybe his best game, but when you can say that, you know, on a night where he throws a couple of touchdown passes and still averages, you know, north of nine yards per pass attempt, that's pretty well, pretty good, excuse me. But um, I'm sure he would probably talk more about the interception than anything else. Yeah, Alex, that's what Nick said after the game, too. Uh, but as, again, when you've got six man to man against anybody in college football, it's going to be hard not to take that shot. It wasn't like it was double coverage. Uh, but Joseph did a good job. You know, he got good position. Mac didn't get the ball outside enough, and it was a takeaway. Uh, Trey Sanders is out, if that's the 24 you're referring to. He had the car accident. 
the week of the bye week, and uh, he's out for the foreseeable future with what Nick Saban has referred to as a hip injury from that car accident. Hey, Victoria, how are you? Mason, it's a good question about Kentucky's secondary. I think Auburn's secondary is pretty solid next week, and so I, I think it will be a challenge next week. Um, Kentucky statistically came in here with the number one pass defense uh, in the SEC, and I don't think it uh, discredited itself in any way. Mississippi State came in here with the number one pass defense. Uh, I thought Mississippi State was okay. Um, but Kentucky is is solid. Yeah, a couple of really good corners for Kentucky. Glenn says 10-0. Oh, 10-0, Tennessee. Glenn giving us a score update. Wow. I knew that Tennessee missed a field goal attempt earlier from about 50 uh, and then had the real long drive, went down the field, and uh, you got to play Tennessee before you can play the Iron Bowl. You know, and look, some of these teams are struggling uh, coming off these breaks. You know, the one thing, obviously Kentucky was at a disadvantage, uh tonight with with the players that were sidelined but at least Tennessee at least Kentucky had played of late you know Kentucky played last week there, there's something to that you know when you take these long breaks yeah Mechie Mark uh, he had the touchdown catch tonight um, you know you you continue to want to see him get more and more targets but when Devontae's going like he is it's going to be tough and yeah Jeffrey when you get Jalil Billingsley uh, going like he went tonight. And the great thing about the tight end position is you don't have to go there eight to ten times. You know, you go there a couple of times like they did tonight, and you average, what, about 30, 35 yards of completion? You can take that. Jared, DJ Dale started at nose tackle tonight. I mean, look, you know, he's a nose tackle. He, and to this point, he's not Quinnen Williams. He's not Deron Payne. So if... DJ is occupying a couple of guys and and gap plugging basically and freeing up, uh, freeing up some linebackers to make some tackles like Christian Harris. That's what you want out of him. You know, Christian Barmore showed some good things tonight. It's never been a question of the playmaking ability. You know, Christian's going to make some plays. Josh makes a good point about Demarco Ellums. You know, he's kind of lost that dimeback role to Brian Branch, but when they have put him in games at safety, he's done some nice things. I just would take sure tackling at this point. You know, that's the big thing, especially next week. You know, I don't know if if Dylan's going to be the guy that a lot of people thought Dylan was going to be this year until maybe next year. I don't think he's been bad, and I think in terms of his numbers, he's tracked along with some of the best that have played the position under Nick Saban. But is he a consistent force? Uh, is he a guy that sort of has that highlight player too, uh, that stonewalls backs and, and offensive players in general on a weekly basis? No, probably not. Yeah, I, I, I would understand it though. I mean, if you're playing in the middle of the field – and there's so much traffic. There's so much wash around your feet and your legs on a snap-by-snap basis. I got to think in terms of you know, your thought process and your psyche, uh, that's going to be something that's going to take a little bit. I've made the comparison to Dante Hightower. 
And Dante, I believe his knee injury was more severe than Dylan's. But, uh, you know, Dante, when he came back in 2010, that wasn't the guy we saw in 2009 before he got hurt against Arkansas here in Tuscaloosa. 2011, Dante was that dude again. But he needed that full year. And it maybe had as much to do with his psyche as anything else. I don't know, man. It's impossible for me to right now say, you know, make comparisons with some other teams around the country. Watching some of the games earlier today, you know, there's 10 minutes when you think Ohio State might be unbeatable. And then the next thing you know, it's 42-35, and Indiana's got the ball with a chance to tie in Columbus. Uh, same thing with with Clemson, who we didn't get to see today. Um, you know, Florida. Everybody for about the last two weeks now, Florida, Kyle Trask, and they've been really good on offense. But then you watch what Vanderbilt was able to do to them uh, offensively, and you know that Florida certainly got questions about that team. So Alabama, to me, is still the best team that I've seen. Do I think there's really much in terms of a gap between the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons? And I'll say it for Notre Dame. I'm actually more impressed by Notre Dame than I have been in previous years when we were told Notre Dame was back to being Notre Dame. I still don't think Notre Dame is one of the best three teams in the country right now, but I could definitely buy Notre Dame as number four. You know, and there have been previous years, 2012, I didn't think they were a top four and they ended up in the top two. Um, You know, the last couple of years where they've made college football playoffs, I didn't think they were that that type of team. But I've been impressed with Notre Dame so far this year. Uh, Shane Lee, I believe Charlie Potter of our staff before the game in terms of noting players he did and did not see, he didn't see Shane Lee dressed today. So, you know, that's why when you got to the twos, and maybe it would have been Jalen Moody and Josh McMillan anyway, you started getting down the depth chart at inside linebacker. Then you saw Ali Cahoe in the game, you know, and some other guys. Uh, but apparently Shane Lee was not dressed today. Anything else before we get out of here, gang? And I'll let you get back to Tennessee Auburn. You know, I know. Who are you pulling for? Who do you pull for in Tennessee Auburn? Rain? Like a delay? Yeah, Jeffrey, that's going to be an interesting storyline as we move down the stretch with Jalen Waddell. No doubt about that. Um, And whether or not it's realistic to get him back in any form or fashion. Glenn asking if Mac is focusing too much on Devontae Smith. Uh, I've said it earlier. You would like to see maybe a few more targets go towards John Mechie, but until you slow down six, that's where the ball's going to go. And I thought, you know, I thought Mac checked it down to uh, Slade a, a few times tonight before Slade went out. Now, when Slade goes out, you know, that's where you run into some problems right now because you're obviously not comfortable with your third guy at this point, unless you're going to make, you know, Jalil Billingsley more of that third guy from a two tight end set, which you can do. He has that kind of versatility. But if you're going to do that, you'd really like to get Miller Forrestall back. You know, Miller Forrestall in a two tight end set with Jalil and then Mechie 
and Devontae and you still have Najee in the backfield, you can still hit the explosive plays with that group. Yeah, Indiana did come back. Indiana Jones like comeback, right? All right, gang, I'm going to let you get back to it on a Saturday night. As always, we certainly appreciate you joining us here on the post-game program. This will upload, by the way, this will archive to the Bama Online Podcast. If you missed any of this and you want to hear it back, it will be at the Bama Online Podcast. We will have that for you there. And, of course, we'll have complete coverage at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the roundtable. Premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans. That, of course, also right there at BOL. Travis Ryer thanking you once again. Have a good evening and keep it locked to BOL as we get you ready for the 2020 Iron Bowl.